Greetings and welcome to Eastern Promise. I'm Mike Rigby and thank you for joining me as we head out on a safari of superlatives across the east of England. This week we're back with Idea Space in the scientific city of Cambridge. Last week, we propelled the Eastern Promise punt down the cam and moored outside the offices of Idea Space in the city. This week, we're way out west at the Hauser Forum, surrounded by some of the shiniest, newest and brightest buildings in the Cambridge Physical Sciences cluster. And finally... Strap in the dog and put the kids in the boot, or vice versa. For a magical family day out, you're going to need some crowd sorcery. It's been tremendously helpful to have a place like Idea Space. Dr David Sinclair. When you leave a larger company, employment in a larger company, you give up a circle of colleagues and contacts and friends, and you end up feeling really isolated. What Ideaspace can help with is to provide you with a support network and somewhere nice to come for, for, <laughs> for work. It's, it's not a chore to come here. We're back with Head of Ideaspace, Ben Hartley. This week, Ben and I have headed over to Ideaspace West at the Physical Sciences Campus. Ben picks up the tail. Mike, this is uh, Ideaspace West. As you can see, it's a slightly different uh, feel to it. We drove yeah. together through the West kind of campus, or West Cambridge, past some lovely shiny new buildings that are being yes, built. Yes, very nice. Um, and, uh, but anyway, up here in West, as you can see, we've got um, a series of sort of um, smaller offices that um, house six or so um, desks in each, and we've got the desks and the computer screens and whatever that else are provided. And then you can see here, again, we've got a number of meeting rooms that um, Mike and I are just walking through at the moment, which will plonk ourselves in. <laughs> yes. And these are, again, great for um, uh, conference calls, uh, meetings with, you know, you might have your lawyer or accountant come to visit you, yep. or potential customers. And, and again, investors, you know, you want to present to them what your business Indeed. is all about, etc. Um, and then we've got some more uh, open plan, a bit like City that we've been in. So there's a yeah. whole bunch of uh, desks here that are kind of open plan. Um, you can see a few people. It's slightly quiet today. Some days are quieter than others. Um, and we're currently, with Mike, just walking past the board of members. So we've got a photo I love board. These boards. Yeah. Yeah. So with the uh, the West members, the City members, and the South members, which is growing because. The South Office, I'm not sure if I mentioned, um, post-Covid we opened the, the sort of West first and City and then South, so South is, uh, the biomedical campus is kind of growing, but it's great to see again the range, all the, all the faces, um, because it's quite useful, isn't it? When you work in a community, you, you, you might be working alongside someone and just come up and see what it is they're doing. Yeah, and you can, you know, no, no, this wall of, of, of faces and company, uh, company logos and the jobs they do there. 
these are the people who make up our community. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. So, you know, get, get to know each other. So that's, yeah, that's, and, that's and really lovely. Even though we've come, we've driven across to the, the West office, um, we're now looking at the city members and we can see some of the members that you, you saw in the, in the mm. city office. So Tella and Moti and, and, um, and Anthony and others yeah. that we just spoke to. So, um, yeah, it's good. It's trying to connect the offices that kind of reach out across Cambridge as the city, I guess. Yeah, and, 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 and we're passing some sort of board full of... Uh, yeah, exactly. The news, member news. Member news. That's it. I was struggling <laughs> with the word newspaper for some reason. Yeah. Clipping. I, you know, I used to run a clipping service. So I should know what one is. But yeah, there's all these stories of success from across the across the idea space community, and that's, yeah. that's that's really lovely. That's right. So I mean, just looking at some of them with um, uh, Matthew Cleveley has been a long time member, and he's the CEO and founder of um, Ten to Eight which is this online um, scheduling um, software, appointments right. and scheduling software. It's used by thousands of people, millions of people all around the world. Um, and they just won at the Queen's Award um, for, for Enterprise. Um, so they got an award there, which is great. So that news is oh, up wow. there. 52 North um, Health. Um, they've got a Nutritrep device. Uh, Nutripenosepsis uh, is a problem for um, patients who are going through chemotherapy and they're developing a medtech device that's used, they can test at home um, for this um, illness that would normally require them to go into hospital for the testing. So uh, they've just uh, raised uh, $1.4 million. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so their news is up there. No, I love this. This is, this is, this is, this is a great idea. This is a, very much as you, you were talking, saying about you know, the, the bell ringing at, um, at City. My eyes have been drawn to the word roll of honour. And it really is like that. It's a yeah. role of honour and, and sort of celebrating uh, the, the success as a community, which right. is great. And we're all, you know, in the community. Uh, we obviously, uh, as Idea Space um, staff, are incredibly proud. But it's, you know, it's likewise the other members. There's a sense of pride for them being associated with it. Yeah, absolutely. Earlier on, we were talking about um, having very early stage founders that might not know what their business model is quite. For them to be rubbing shoulders with someone who they can see has been through the same journey mm -hmm. as them and has popped out the other end with um, you know, funding um, uh, or an, an acquisition like Moti is great for them. You know, that's, that's, yeah. that's why. Well, I, I speak as someone who has no, no, no clue what his business model is. So yeah. that, that, that is, that is very, very, uh, very important. Yeah, we're also just on the, on the board here on the What's On, so this is the kind of event. So we have the members news, we just strolled past on the corridor and now we're walking up past the What's On board. Um, and you can see there's another event here that we've got which is a, an idea space show and tell. Yeah. Which is great because it's a, an opportunity for, again, the community, for members of idea space to show their uh, products, services, whatever it might be, off to the other members. So we've got three. Um, we've got uh, Bleak and Brainpatch AI and, um, and Pathos Labs. Uh, so three um, companies in yeah. idea space who are going to show off their wares to other members. So that's kind of cool. Fantastic. Um, and then we're walking through. Like City, um, Idea Space West has got a social space. Um, oh, very, oh what, that yeah. is glorious. So what the view <laughs> is green as far as the eye can see. So we've got a gorgeous view. So we've just sort of stepped out towards the uh, balcony and Mike's just taken in the, the vista um, across um, out to the west of um, Cambridge, which is just glorious countryside. It really is. What a lovely view. <laughs> it is a terrific view. Um, and, and looking out over that, we've got a, a number of um, sort of co-working um, desks that people can uh, plonk themselves on. So it's not just the um, sort of open plan office space. You can actually work, you know, like hot desking in here as well. And again, the kitchen area and sofa space for, for people to um, kind of congregate yeah. around on, on those events. So 
And the, so, yeah. the trademark uh, tin of biscuits or cake. Or, the biscuit tin, yes. yeah, it's just unbelievable the number of biscuits that we go through. <laughs> so. And there's, there's, a, there's a bookshelf here groaning with the, with the technical, technical, technical books. Technical books, but of course now, you know, this is a slight throwback that, um, you know, a lot of the, um, all, all the stuff's accessible now, isn't it, online? So <laughs> the, oh, I'm yeah, the bookshelf. Yeah. I occasionally um, delve into And a bell. And a bell, of course. Bell. The, the, um, I'm gonna, the I'm bell. If I, keep, I keep reaching my phone to take pictures of things and I come out with my business card case. Yeah, well, you um, can, you're, you're very I, welcome to. I do, I do love, you know, this is my, my, my in-laws have one very similar to call one, everyone for dinner. Right. Which is particularly <laughs> useful with the grandchildren. Yeah. I know briefly we talked before about the... Um, the university aspect, yeah. The university aspect, yeah. Um, and just as we plonk ourselves back into a, a meeting room, I can just explain a little bit about the link with the university. Sure, sure. Um, so Ideaspix actually started out as a, as a project, really, um, to help establish a, an entrepreneurship centre um, in Cambridge. And along with uh, a donation from um, Herman Hauser, the, the Hauser Forum was, was built and the entrepreneurship centre um, was also built here. And that's where Ideaspace is. Below us is um, Cambridge Enterprise, which is the um, technology transfer um, organisation, really, for, for the university. So uh, that's a very specific university organisation. In fact, I'll just touch on that. They, they manage the IP and the licensing uh, of that IP from, that, that's come out of the university, essentially. So they are very much for university um, spin-outs. Um, there, there's an element of, um, of investment as well in that. Um, so they're, they're multi-faceted and multi-functioning Cambridge Enterprise um, for, for, for university-specific spin-outs. But Ideaspace, even though it was a project born out of something within the university, mm -hmm. we're, with the, we're independent in the sense that our, our scope is completely wide as you've yeah, met a number of people seen, who, yeah. Yeah, who aren't uh, university graduates some often have a connection with the university so it might be that um, they would like to access some of the research that's come out through university and the university is very keen to make sure that industry and academia have this kind of interface um, so that um, yeah, industry might be um, drawn to Cambridge because of the access to, to um, research that comes out of the university and vice versa, um, that um, you know, academia or commercialising um, uh, research or the yeah. outcomes of research is also incredibly important. Certainly um, is. And, and there's organisations around here, I'm, I'm sort of um, pointing to Mike, but you won't see, <laughs> beyond, the, beyond the, 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 the campus, or on the campus I should say, we've got the Maxwell Centre that we drove past earlier, um, and that's very much what, um, what they do there at the, um, the interface between industry and academia. Um, the uh, Institute for Manufacturing, I'm now pointing randomly across to the other side. You point anywhere. Through the other fine. side of the room. Um, so off to, to our west is the um, Institute for Manufacturing, and they have a consultancy wing as well, IF, um, IFM Engage, who carry out in, in incredible consultancy and education work um, on behalf of the um, IFM as well. So there's... Um, yeah, so with Cambridge Enterprise, as I said, below us and those two organisations, they're university-based, but trying to link university and the outside yeah, world. absolutely. Very much so. Um, and then there's us, who whilst we have, um, you know, we use university spaces um, and we're in university um, buildings, 
as I said, we are independent. So very long-winded <laughs> No, no, that's, that's great. But born out of the university, affiliated strongly to the university, but independent in our, in our outlook. And our, and our remit is really to, to help not just uh, encourage entrepreneurship and innovation from, you know, possibly academics coming out of the university, um, but also to draw people um, in, businesses and startups, um, in and around Cambridge too. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, 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 as you say, it is, you seem to be sitting in the best of all possible worlds mm. in that you have the name and you have the access, but you're, you can sort of, you're independent and, and clearly people who have not, I mean, we were Moti earlier, uh, not had a, a graduate or an undergraduate career at, at university, the university mm. are still sort of drawn to idea space as a place to sort of take that next step and explore where they're going. And I think that's, that, that, that truly is marvellous. Um, so my name's Sam Goddard, and I'm, um, I founded a small business uh, called Labmotive. Um, we've been around for quite some time now, and um, we do uh, software in and around laboratories, really. So our main product is um, it's a remote data collection system that labs use for getting data in from places that aren't the lab. Uh, so we do a lot of work with water companies, helping them to get information uh, back to the, the laboratory for analysis and things like that. So it's a fairly niche, it's a fairly niche um, topic that we deal with. Um, and I've been around for quite some time. So what drew me here originally, um, I guess, was... Uh, so I've, I've been in and around Cambridge for, uh, for many years. I was at university here and I did physics, which is actually in the next building down. Um, so um, when I started a small business, I found that one of the things that was really lacking um, when it's just you working on your, your own and you're trying to build a product and build a little enterprise and get things off the ground to begin with, um, it's quite an isolated experience to start off with because there's just you um, and you don't have a lot of exposure to other points of view and other um, other experiences and I think being in a place like this is it's really beneficial because you've got a whole set of different companies and there are all stages of their life really um, from the, the outset of just being a single person doing a thing um, you know to slightly larger teams um, and there are also alumni as well that have, have been through they've had funding and they've gone on to be very successful as well. Um, and a lot of that's really beneficial. If you're a small person just starting out, you can bounce ideas off other people um, who've had experiences with things like that. So if you're thinking about taking on venture capital funding or funding from an angel or you want to hire your first person, um, all of that kind of stuff, it can be a bit daunting when you're doing it for the first time because it's not something you've had experience with before. Um, but if you can talk to real people about it, you can find out what's worked for them and hopefully avoid some of the pitfalls as well of, uh, of those things. And it's um, that community aspect, the being able to bounce ideas around is a really, it's a really positive environment to be in when you are a, a small yeah. startup. People are really, they're, they're really willing to share as well, aren't they? That's yeah, they find are. that people's really, everyone is really willing to share their experience and knowledge, which is, which is great. It doesn't take much to to prod someone, put your hand up. Well, does anyone know, or you know, can, can someone help me with this? Or um, yeah, it's um, you, you do see that. I don't want to make it sound twee because it isn't, but it's. I find it very homely. I find every innovation space has its own kind of uh, brings its own ethos and own feel, its own life, and 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 they're all very different and all very 
fantastic in their own different ways. But this feels quite a homely place to be, if that's not a silly thing to say. I'm just interested in what your kind of reach is geographically and kind of because Eastern Promise, which is the podcast I do, kind of focuses on basically championing the region. I just wondered if you'd, you'd I mean, I can cut it if the answer's no, but <laughs> if, 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 if you, what, what, what kind of experiences you have in reaching out across the, the east of England more broadly from all the way up, you know, Norfolk coast all the way down to, you know, south of Essex and the border of London? Well, we've done quite a bit of stuff, but not necessarily in and around the east. Um, so we've we've got ties. I grew up in the northwest, and I've got ties up um, Nothing wrong in, with that. in that part of the world. Um, and um, a lot of our work, it's not necessarily in this particular local area because um, we deal with large customers. They're enterprise organisations, and they have, um, especially with water companies, they're geographically based. So a lot of our customers might be in different parts of the UK, and we go to their sites as well. Um, so. Yeah, I guess it's more, it's, we've got experience and spread a little bit wider than, than just, um, just the east of England. It's, it's just interesting to me because I think we are very, there are people outside of the region who, who deal with people like yourself uh, and, and, and businesses like yours, think it's brilliant and, and we're, you know, we're really excited and pleased about the work they do here. But I think where we are as a region weaker is that we don't know our own stories. We don't know about the success that's going on here because it's such a big region and such a, 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 a what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not diverse, it begins with a D though, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> because it's so widely spread and you know, you've got things happening down in Colchester, Norwich, Ipswich, Adastral Park, Norwich Research Park, the Innovation Gateway here, Cambridge, you know, uh, we don't know as well as we should our own stories. Now, I'd like to say that's where I come in, but, you know, there are others too who are working in that space. And it's fantastic to hear, you know, that you're, you've got such a, such, such a wide reach. So, I mean, do you find this quite a homely experience? And, you know, again, looking at the, 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 the biscuit tin that's, that seems to be... I'd love to know. Is the one at Cambridge, at the south? Oh, it's always empty. Ah, oh, so. <laughs> Terror, dearie me. So what, 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 what's your ex experience of, 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 of um, you've talked about what you get here, but the atmosphere you find in terms of that, that sort of mutual support, just to recap it, really. Yeah, I think it's, there's a lot of mutual support and it's, it's been a very beneficial experience all round um, from uh, when I first started here uh, to, to now. Um, the only the only difficulties that we've had have really been in the uh, the immediate short term with all of the stuff to do with COVID, um, and I think that's that's going to be a challenge for everything going forwards for spaces like this uh, because of the the changes to the way people are working. Um, I think you know even with all of the doing things from home that people are doing, uh, there's still real benefits to being co-located with people, um, not just people that you're working for in your own little organisation, but with people from other organisations as well. I think that's that's something that can't be overstated. Do you think Cambridge has, uh, and this, I'm not putting any value judgment on it, more of a global mindset, uh, and that's perhaps something that the other parts of the East should should perhaps aspire to as well. I think Cambridge, by virtue of the fact that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of university involvement in um, in things, um, and there's clearly a lot of um, talented people in this area. Anyway, uh, there's the whole sort of Silicon Fen thing that draws in, particularly a lot of 
techie people, a lot of biotech kind of things, um, a lot of medical things in and around Cambridge. I think that sort of environment leads to a broadening of horizons. I think there's uh, in the same building as us, we've got uh, we've got other organisations that can help with uh, with searching for for funding and and providing uh, you know. Uh, money and, and things to help organizations grow and i think when you've got that ecosystem of people with the small businesses trying to you know build things alongside um you know the, the necessary support um tools to help the growth it's you know it's it's a beneficial thing and i think that that you know when you get organizations growing out of that as well and successful organizations that stuff feeds back in and the contacts, they all, you know, other people's contacts can help you spread your reach further into different geographical areas as well. I'm Dr. David Sinclair. I am the founder of a company called Immense Limited and we do OCR software for mobile phones. My role in the company is, I guess, partly... CEO, partly software developer. It's been a bit of a long journey, but it's, it's been tremendously helpful to have a place like Ideaspace. What you give up when you leave a, a, a larger company, employment in a larger company, you give up a circle of colleagues and contacts and friends, and you end up feeling really isolated. And what Ideaspace can help with is to provide you with a sort of a, a support network and somewhere nice to come for for <laughs> for work. It's it's not a chore to come here, and it, it it just makes creating a startup just seem a lot more possible. One of the things I've I've really taken from here, and I'm, I've, I've I apologise to the listener because I've I've said this so many times already, is that the, the very homely feel, the fact that everyone's you can see everyone on the wall who who's in the building or in all the, all the buildings actually achievements. Uh, celebrated sort of throughout the organisation and that's not to take anything away from any of the other fantastic innovation spaces across the region who I won't name now. Is, is that your experience? Do you find it's kind of really uh, sort of you, you sort of mentioned that it's not a chore to come here and I'm just really interested to, d- to delve into to what it is that makes this, this such a sort of a, a warm place and welcoming place to work which it clearly is. Absolutely uh, I think leadership the, the tone of the place is set by the current director and it's everyone's on the same page. We're very pleased if, if other companies do well. There's no sense of competition. A lot of the experience you have in setting up a company, there's, there's milestones that you have to go through. So you have to, first of all, identify a product. You've, you've got to do things like arrange accountants. You've got, sometimes you have to arrange finance. And the, these steps are shared across most companies. And to be with people who, who've done it before, it makes each step seem normal uh, and achievable. It's not to say it isn't hard work, obviously, <laughs> but the sort of standard roadmap towards success is, 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 is shared. And people are very supportive in, in helping you make the next steps. Do you find there's a lot of sort of serendipitous conversations, you know, water cooler moments, coffee machine moments, cake tin moments? That's going to become the theme, the cake tin. But um, cake tin moments where you know you 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 stumble across an answer to a problem you hadn't considered yet, or you you know you can help someone else with that. We've we've talked about it in other places. I'm just 
keen to sort of tease out how each individual founder uh, member finds these things. Yeah, that happens from time to time, and it's, it's obviously it's, it's nice if if you're able to help someone, but it's more the just the laying out the the pathway, um, so that the pathway is is reasonably clear, unexpected, uh, and and realistic. So you're you're not expecting to suddenly find your company worth half a billion, although I believe that has happened here. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice, but just just to make what is an extraordinary journey seem just more ordinary and achievable, I think is. It's what this place does very well. That's a really nice way of putting it. And I just, before I let you get back to work, just ask you about, so are you, you, you sort of based in Cambridge, obviously for work, but are you sort of uh, from Cambridge or do you come from outside, in from outside Cambridge? I'm just interested to know about the wider ecosystem and how Cambridge sort of uh, enables and works with that. Yeah, I, I moved to Cambridge from a, a European university. Um, I did my PhD in Oxford and then went postdocing in Europe. Um, I came back to a, a role in a research lab run by Professor Sir Andy Hopper, who is an absolute god in the world of startups. You know, if you were lucky enough to interview him, well, I guess <laughs> he say be... he's going to go on the list. Is... Yes, he would be. He must be the progenitor of two hundred startups with a net value of well north of a billion. He's a, again very realistic about about things, and it's it's always the human side of, of business that he he kind of takes to heart. Cambridge is basically an oasis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you if you were to compare Oasis, sorry, Cambridge with Slough, and just met ten random people in the street, you'd meet ten amazing people in Cambridge. How could you see us spreading that? outside of Cambridge to the rest of the region, places like Norwich and Ipswich, which do have thriving ecosystems of their own, not on Cambridge's scale, I don't think anyone would claim that, but how can we spread that, I suppose? I think you need to start from something that brings good people into valued roles, and then you need to allow them to create startups. BT used to have the lab in Martlesham. Um, that would have brought in good people. I think it was, was it closed in the end or downsized? Those people probably didn't really want to leave the area, but if there wasn't a, an ecosystem for creating startups, they would have been forced to leave. I think the sense of not having entities prey on founders, so with you know, excessive property rents and contracts that lock them in and you know, pitfalls for the unwary, just something that makes life easy for them. Ben. Thank you very much. It's been really an eye-opening journey into the, into idea space, and I don't know what I was expecting, but you, it's it's kind of sent me reeling the the, the breadth of of the things I've I've uh, discovered here, and 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 you know your story alone is is, is I could sort of delve into for hours, but. Thank you so much for being so open and so welcoming. Not at all, and um, thank you for being such a great podcast host and uh, and champion of um, not just of entrepreneurship, innovation, but of the of the region. So um, yeah, you're 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 very much needed because everyone needs to keep singing about the um, you know the uh, or keep praising um, those that don't might not necessarily have a, a voice out there in the in the region. So you're doing a terrific job, and um, yeah, really appreciate you coming along to um, to, to meet us all. Thank you, Ben. The, che the check is now in the post. Thank you very much for your time. Super. Thanks, Mike.
I'm incredibly grateful to Sam Goddard, David Sinclair, and our host and head of Ideaspace, Ben Hartley. I'll be back at Ideaspace later this year as part of an interview with Cambridge MP and co-chairman of the all-party parliamentary group for the East of England, Daniel Zeigner. And now, it's time to dip our hands once more into the tombola of terrific that is... Crowd Sorcery. Yes, Crowd Sorcery, where I ask you to share with the other listener your top picks for family things to do, where to go and what to see in the east of England. And yet again, you did not disappoint. Let's start with the wonderful Bertie Bartram, four-legged friend of Penny Bartram, Associate Strategy Director of Vice World News and trustee at Norwich Film Festival. Uh, Penny says, You can't beat a bracing walk at Wells Next the Sea at this time of year. And Penny provides a picture of the aforementioned Bertie, who is clearly enjoying his bracing walk very much indeed. <laughs> and I must say, the beach is a very popular family choice for you, my crowd sorcerers. Ben Eagle, Rural Communication Specialist, podcaster and writer, says, I might be locally biased, but I'm going to have to nominate a beach day at either Frinton-on-Sea or Walton-on-the-Nays. Welcome, Ben, and lovely to hear from Essex there. Rest assured, Eastern Promise will not be neglecting our southernmost sister county. And I'll be looking in on Neil Griffin and Georgina Watts at the Innovation Centre at Knowledge Gateway Colchester later this year. Back to the beaches, though, and Dr Andrew Staines, Head of Strategic Foresight at Norfolk County Council, tells us that... As a child, he used to love crabbing at wells next to the sea. And also Old Hun Stanton, as it felt like I was in a different country, says Andrew. But now the Staines family loves Hokum Hall, Cromer and Eccles-on-Sea, heading up to Blickling for a walk in the autumn. And obviously, Norwich is one of the best cities in the UK, so it's great to potter around. Well, I don't think you'd struggle to find a second for that motion, Andrew. I'm loving these family itineraries. And here's one from Alice Whitney, founder director at Creative Nation. She says, I prefer wildlife wild. So, weather permitting, getting out and about in nature, and even better, supporting our local wildlife trusts and other conservation bodies. Because nature is really up against it at the moment, and these guys deserve our support. When the weather is more challenging, Alice likes to get lost in our dazzling array of museums and galleries. She's right, we are so spoiled. She can't pick a favourite, but Alice has been enjoying trying the smaller ones lately. Thank you, Alice. And we will be looking at the fantastic work that conservation bodies and wildlife trusts do for the economic as well as the natural world later in the year. Meanwhile, Mel Moritz, global sales consultant, recommends Stiffkey Salt Marshes as an untouched beauty and a sensational secret hideaway. I personally have often wanted a sensational secret hideaway from my family. It may be muddy, but it's Mel's favourite spot in the UK by far. More from Mel's itinerary. For an early unusual start, she recommends TW Gaze in Dis, which holds auctions with a great bacon roll and a coffee. Odds and sods and hidden treasures on sale. Interesting spot for people watching too, says Mel. She also offers her tea room options, which she says are endless. Ketteringham Hall... Felbrig Hall for climbing fallen trees, Hayden 
for a dead-end village and a glorious piece of cake. I think the people of Hayden may quibble with the description of a dead-end village, but I just think she means there's only one way in or out. If it's raining, Norwich Castle is always a reliable stop with children, and if the children are older, the escape room's underground at Merchant's Vault. And like all escape rooms, if you pay enough money, the escape part is optional. <coughs> Mel, that is an incredible list of recommendations. Thank you. We're also blessed in the region with a huge range of family attractions, two of which, Banham Zoo and Africa Alive at Kessingland, are cared for by the Zoological Society of East Anglia. The ZSEA's conservation education manager, Asim Kadzalik, is rooting for the home side, as one would expect. Asim tells us that for six consecutive weeks, the ZSEA delivered a range of topics with self-led tours, conservation stations, etc., like Food Week, and Native Species Week. All this alongside delivering their first ever summer clubs for children aged 8 to 17 across three age groups. A truly unique programme, lasting in the two-hour radius. Asim, all power to your zoological elbow, and I hope Eastern Promise gets to drop in on the ZSEA very soon indeed. And now, just time for two friends of the show. First, Michelle Chambers business development manager at Chaplin Farrant, who has asked for a specific sound effect, and you'll hear it in just a second. Michelle says, when we were a young family... There we go. The Chambers clan enjoyed Pettit's Animal Adventure Park, still going strong, and is a real mix of animals, rides and play areas. Another favourite was... Yes, Roar! Dinosaur Adventure Park, which was full of themed woodland walks and lots more attractions. Michelle says they had an annual pass twice for this one. Both great choices, with Raw just announcing a new attraction for 2024, Gigantosaurus. Well, obviously, you want to know more about the Gigantosaurus attraction opening at the Raw. Thank you, Raw Dinosaur Park in 2024. Well, happily, I think I can oblige. Gigantosaurus Land is coming only at Roar. Fans of Rocky, Marzu, Tiny, Bill and of course Gigantosaurus can experience their favourite characters come to life in a roarsome day out for the whole family. Drop into Mount Oblivion, take a spin on Tiny's teacups and climb to new heights in Marzu's towering play and climb den. And if that wasn't enough, it's all set inside Roar, the number one dinosaur-themed adventure park in the UK. So your Giganto experience will be ten times more awesome. Gigantosaurus Land, only at Roar, opening in 2024. Me personally, I want to give a shout out to Bewilderwood, which we've enjoyed visiting many times and has a certain East of England charm that you really can't find anywhere else. And finally, Dr Penny Hundleby, senior scientist at the John Innes Centre, is a fan of farm shops and bigs up Whitehorse Farm, that's www.whfnorwich.com, for a spot of pumpkin picking. And we will be coming on to pumpkins and all things Halloween later in the year. Well, that should keep you and yours fully occupied every weekend and school holiday between now and Christmas. And that was episode 38 of Eastern Promise. Thank you so much for listening. And next week, we'll be visiting the Food Enterprise Park at Honningham, near Norwich, where we begin our focus on food 
and where the legendary agrifuturist Clark Willis MBE will be giving us a foot tour of the park and demonstrating the huge potential that's being created there. You don't want to miss it. Thank you again to Ben Hartley of Ideaspace, to Sam Goddard and Dr David Sinclair. Thank you to all my crowd sorcerers and to Engineer 49, the only man in Britain whose ears are Dolby certified as a musical instrument. Most of all, thank you to you, wherever you are and whatever time you've chosen to listen to this podcast. I'll be back again next week. But until then, bye for now. <laughs>